to the first official. Oh my god. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the first official episode of Uplifting Murders and, and Wholesome Crimes. I'm Natalie. I'm Sarah. And we're really annoying sisters, and we know crimes are not uplifting or wholesome. Yeah. Um, it's it's an inside joke. You'll be a part of it. You'll see. It's just it's a stupid joke. It's that stupid. We think it's funny because we think we're yes. funny. Yeah. We think we're funny. We think um, we're so funny. We'll see if you agree. Probably not. Um. So I have no skill sets, but Sarah is actually getting a master's degree that is relevant to the true crime space in some ways. Sarah. In some ways, yeah, because yeah. um, that's what. What are they called? The Criminologists? Yeah, they are behavior analysts. So I am getting my master's of science in applied behavior analysis. And it's the study of behavior. Um, it's, you know, within the psychology department of, of things. Yeah, so we're going to be doing some super professional deep psychoanalysis of these. No, I mean, we are going to be talking about it after. So basically how this is going to go is me, Natalie... Uh, I will be kind of telling Sarah the story of a specific serial killer or criminal. In this case, we're going to be talking about Dennis Rader, otherwise known as BTK. We're going to be calling him Dennis throughout the episode because he wants to be called BTK, and we're not giving him that oh, satisfaction. Fuck that. No, yeah, we're absolutely, absolutely not. not giving him that. So I'm going to do my name? best. Dennis. Dennis. Yeah, oh. Dennis. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Dennis. Um, I, in certain instances, I will have to call him BTK because of how he's, you know. We'll see. You'll, you'll understand. And I might slip up and actually call <coughs> Dennis, him that. Dennis. But Dennis is his name. And so I'm not going to give him this, this satisfaction. So this is most likely going to be more than one part because, you know, we're both English majors and I accidentally did 20 pages of research. It's on like a light. Just like, a light bit of 20 pages of research on, on BTK. So, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm of Dennis. Dennis. Just some preliminary research. Some preliminary research on Dennis. I watched an hour and a half episode of Snapped. Great show, read a lot of articles, so I think what we're going to do is start with, like, his early life, his first crimes, mm-hmm. and then... So, like, a little bit of Dennis. A little bit Dennis. We'll see how interesting it is. He's not like the rest that you would expect. He's not like, he's the, not the, rest. the rest of them. He's not he's like different. them. He's but, different. <laughs> but, so we're going to talk about his early life, um, and then we'll go into his initial crimes, and then depending how crazy detailed I get with it, talking to you about it, we'll either finish it up with his, you know, trial conviction and then analysis of his behavior mm-hmm. in this episode, or we'll do part two. So yeah, stay tuned guys for part two if that ends up <laughs> happening. <laughs> okay. Dennis Lynn Raider. Can we also talk about like history? Like Tomb Raider. Well, can we also talk about how serial killers always seem to have three names, like John Wayne Gacy? Yeah. I feel like that's a thing. Um, There's another one other than him with three names, though. I can't think of it at the moment, <laughs> but it is a thing. Trust me, everyone will know and be like, how are you not coming up with another one? Okay. Stupid. Uh, you put me on the spot. I was ready. Stupid. So, okay, ready, ready. So, Dennis Lynn Rader was born in Pittsburgh, Kansas on March 9th, 1945. Pittsburgh, Kansas? Yeah, this, is, this takes place in Wichita. So, he was the oldest of four sons to William and Dorothea. Which is kind of the world's fault. So apparently, it is said that he was dropped on his head when he was a kid, but there isn't a lot of info about when and like if it really had, like there's nothing really specific about. Oh my god, my dog Rita just jumped on to the couch. We're really professional here. Sorry if you hear background dog noises. Anyways, 
So apparently he was dropped on his head, but we just don't really know a lot of details about that. Okay. Um, also, his mom was not super attentive, and, and she had her mom, his grandparents, kind of help out. Um, in post-arrest interviews, Raider what do you, said... Like, what do you mean? She was just like... She was kind of absent. They, like, worked a lot, and he resented them for it. He, it's the kind of obvious, like, kid resents his parents for not being around a lot. But they weren't... She wasn't like... She was, from what we know, he had a very normal childhood, which is what why he's so different. <laughs> like his parents were like chill like they weren't like from what we know he was not having abused. sex with other people no or... like you know how like all the other ones are like crazy abusive and there's always like that weird mother dynamic which yeah yeah or some down, weird shit like creepy yeah. horrible shit that from what we know of and what he has said himself was not the case which is Ooh. it was just kind of that interesting he so he just like wasn't happy he said so he says in a post-arrest interview he said he got along real well with dad but mom always wasn't quite happy I always loved her. I still love her, but I did have a little, a little bit of a grudge against Mama. What the fuck? I know. So, so like, he felt ignored by his parents because they worked long hours. But why didn't he? That's interesting that he didn't like. He's like, ah, I don't care about my dad, but like, Mom. Like, yeah, he blames Mama, and, and, the, and it's it's very typical of serial killers to like have fucking issues with their their mom. Yeah, yeah, mom always, issues. It's, always. It's very, you know. And I actually did read about that in the Oxford, like, journal. So it's true. I'm not just saying that, guys. Um, So what's fascinating about... Well, it makes sense because, like, men who hate women would kill women. Yeah. And, like, if they hate their mother, that's a woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. It makes sense. So so what's crazy about Dennis is he began developing sadistic sexual fantasies at a really early age, focusing on... Like, how early we're talking? Like, by middle school or by high school, he was literally stealing pants. This is very early. Like, like, so he uh, started cutting out females from magazines and drawing ropes and gags on them and gluing them onto index cards he carried around with him. Okay, that... That is creepy at, like, any age. At like, any age. At any carrying age. those, like, it, weird index cards around with you of anything sexual, why would you right, but carry that on your person? Like, why do you need that on the, you need it on the he go? Needs like, to, you need that, you need access to it at all times. Like, why? Literally. You, like, an adult would probably, or even a child, I feel like, would put that in, like, a hiding, little hiding spot. Oh, he just, he needed them, <laughs> he needed access to them. So, as a teenager, okay. he became a peeping Tom. Wow. Watching women through their windows, stealing their underwear. He did some stuff with animals we were not even going to get into. Yeah, I don't want to know. I don't want to hear Death, it. but like, we can't. Because we're animal lovers here, we're not going to get don't into Don't want to so hear just, it. Yeah. Wait, um, for the women that he was like, peeping Tom, mm-hmm. being a peeping Tom, I don't know, peeping on? Uh-huh. <laughs> peeping? Um, we're like... Were they a specific age? Did they, like, look like his mom? No, there's nothing like... specific with okay, his mom. Okay. And that's another interesting thing we can talk about later is he doesn't have a specific victim. Like a type? No. He's not like Ted Bundy who had his whole specific female look with the brown hair yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Not like that, which is also why he was so hard to find. They talk about why he was we'll Yeah. So, according to forensic psychology professor Dr. Kathleen Ramsland, who wrote a book on BTK in 2016, she interviewed him for years. Dennis. I'm sorry, yes, on Dennis. When Dennis was young, his mother's ring got caught on a couch spring and she couldn't get her hand out. She apparently was terrified and told him to get help. And he felt the first springs of arousal. Yeah. Right? Over this. It like it was exciting. Over her terror. Yes. It was exciting for him to see a woman helpless. 
And she says that this, and this is like her, she has, Dr. Ramsland has had conversations with him. Mm -hmm. This is not her making stuff up. Um, So he obviously told her this. Uh, It was the beginning of his ideas about women. He wanted to keep them trapped, helpless, and looking to him in terror. Um, This became imprinted on his mind and became the image he always was after. He says that maybe because it was like the only time she was attending to him. That's possible. You know, I mean, like, it doesn't seem like she was super neglectful, just like kind of typical. But yeah, you know, well, he fine. he could interpret that. Yeah, but yeah. I just find that interesting that like the it's like all her attention is on him. And he has complete control. It's oh, he's very much about yeah. control, very much. So he says the quote unquote problems started in grade school in terms of his sexual fantasies. So that's who's a Dennis says Dennis says this himself. And he acknowledges that all men had sexual fantasies, but his were weirder than other people. So he knows this. Even at a young age, he recognizes Well, you'd fucking hope so. (laughs) Jesus. Yeah, so Ramsland says... Let me see. Did you bring your index cards? Did you bring your index cards? So, like, instead of trading Pokemon, instead of trading Pokemon, you're trading body cards. So Ramsland (laughs) says in Snapped that during his high school years at Wichita Heights, Dennis was quiet um, and not highly social. Pretty girls made him feel powerless and threw off his sense of control. Hmm. Um, once again, cutting out those images. Uh, he would also, this is even weirder, mm-hmm. he didn't only want images of other people bound. He would bind himself and use a tripod Polaroid and take these weird-ass fantasy photos of himself, like, in women's clothes and makeup and bondage. And like, Interesting. Yes. So he would take photos of himself in these Like, images. playing the role of the victim. Yes. And he loved it. So he then went to Wichita State University in 1964. Did, did he ever have like a girlfriend? Sorry. Did he ever like date anyone? It didn't say if he really, it okay. didn't seem like he, but he had relationships. Him. So, but we, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Okay. So he went to Wichita State University in 1964, mm-hmm. dropped out of college and joined the U.S. Air Force when he was 21. So over time, Raider becomes more bold with his sexual sadism. When he was in the Air Force, he <laughs> drew his fantasies on paper and then burned him, burned them when he left the base. Uh, he claimed that he what was mean, like, like got rid of all the evidence, like he didn't want anyone to find it, so he like burned them all up. Like right them. after he drew them, he'd like draw them and then burn it them? It wasn't exactly clear, oh, okay. but either way, he was like, no one see these. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so like, that's better than the index cards, he's learning. Oh, I, sure. Yeah, I guess yeah. you could say that's better. Um, he claimed that he was into prostitutes, but they didn't want to do bondage. Uh, he also broke into homes and stole underwear, so kind of So Sam, yeah. Was uh, he but, peeping? Too? Yeah, but yeah. He, he took trophies and would place them around Wichita for easy access, which he called, quote-unquote, hidey holes. Ew. Like, a, like... He called his little, like, trophy hideouts hidey holes. That's so gross. Um, and so, like all over the city. Just yeah. Like, and so there. eventually like Ugh. his voyeurism. Oh, got, like, yeah. His gross. voyeurism was Heep-a-jeeps. keeping him satisfied, but you'll, you'll see his suits. Not enough for him. So he went to church with his parents in his mid-twenties where he met Paula. Uh-huh. They went on a few dates and he shortly asked her to marry him. Jesus. She said yes and they married in May 1971 oh when Dennis was 26 years old. Davis. So they have a son in 1975, a year after his first murder in 1974. Wait, wait, wait. And a do- I'm, I'm just giving you like context okay. overall. Okay. We'll get into it, but I just want to say this so you have a picture. Okay. So they have a son in 1975, a year after his first murder in 1974, which we will go into, and a daughter in 1978 in the middle of his other killing. So this man is a married man 
with children committing like crimes. cosplaying as a family member. Yes. And that's what made him so impossible to find. Because they profiled him incorrectly. We will go into it. So, Paul, it's fascinating. So, Paula and Dennis were happy in their early years. They went to ch- the church thing is also, oh my god. They went to church regularly, and they had a routine life. Uh, this did not last long, though, because Dennis got laid off of work, and they lived off of Paula's salary. What, what did he do? He had odd jobs. Like, he oh, didn't okay. really have a real career. Um, and this obviously made him feel very emasculated and worthless uh-huh. and made him angry and depressed. And he slid and back into his sadistic fantasy. He probably also fucking hated that a woman. Oh, I'm sure. The woman was making the money. And carrying him. God yeah. forbid, and carrying carrying the weight, you know, when she should be probably... Just taking care of the house. Yeah. And do your job. Um, <laughs> just, like, do your job. Just be just a housewife. Like, be a housewife and, like, shut up. Just do it. So, <laughs> so um, this was, you know, he felt like he had lost control of his home life. Poor Dennis. We so feel sad. So sad so for sad Dennis. So sad for Dennis. It's so sad. So the note cards were just not cutting it anymore. He would start no. following women in supermarkets into their cars and would envision capturing them and tying them up. Ew. Like, like. He wouldn't go in their cars, but he'd follow them to their... Right. He'd follow them to their cars. Yeah, he called it trolling. Which is, like, gross. You can't use that word. It's, like, we like that word for the internet. Like, you can't use that word. Yeah, but, like, that is... I know, it's gross. Anyway, so, because he had nothing else to do, his fantasies became more and more elaborate. Like, by not having this job and a distraction, he just, you know, really got involved into these fantasies. Yeah, he has no outlet for it. It was during this time that he dreamed of becoming the biggest serial serial killer of all time. So he's an e- egomaniac. He heard of the headline-grabbing killers like the Boston Strangler and Manson, and he wanted that attention. He was jealous attention of the fame, and, the, and he wanted the ego boost. Uh, the function of the behavior, I'm going to say, is attention. <laughs> Sarah pulling in her <laughs> master's degree. Okay, yeah, so he was an egomaniac, and the need for the fantasy to be real like could not be stopped. He just could not. So the first murder occurred on January 15th, 1970. And Dennis says these victims were, quote-unquote, projects. And once you, quote-unquote, lock in on a certain person, that's the victim. Quote, unquote. I, wait. Yes. <laughs> so he called his victims projects. So the first murders, as I said, Jim Wait, like, murders? Like, how many are we talking? Can you give me a number for the beginning? Murders? It's a family. <gasps> yes. So the Otero family. And this is what's so interesting is his victims are not, like I said, they don't follow a certain kind of type. Yeah. His future victims, I mean, they tend to be women, but. Obviously. Yeah. This is really sad. So, um, the murders occurred on January 15th, 1974, and he had targeted this whole family, and it is said that he was actually kind of focused on the daughter, Josephine, 11 year old. Oh, 11? Yeah, so the husband and wife were Joseph and Julia Otero and their two children, nine year old Joseph Jr. and 11 year old Josephine. Um, and he committed the crime in the morning, like in the middle of the day, while some of the kids were at school, like this, in the middle of the day, in a normal little community. This He attacked them in their home. So, like, wouldn't their kids be at school too then? So you'll say come home to. So when Dennis was trolling for potential victims, the first two that took his eye were Julie and Josephine. Um, he had seen them pulling out of their driveway one day, and became fascinated with Josephine, which is like so fucking sick. Just oh, you're so. And also, it's like terrifying. Yeah, completely. Utterly so, uh, you know, he knew that this was a 
middle of the day, he could tell the family had a dog. This was a high-risk crime, and he still did it. He still did this. So according to Raider, he snuck into their detached garage. He had also cut their phone lines, which is so, like, scream to me. You know yeah, what I mean? it's like, so creepy. Wait, when, like... He cut the phone lines and then snuck into their uh, detached garage and waited for his opportunity. So a little after 8.30 a.m., Joseph Jr. had opened the back door of the house to let their dog out into, into the yard. Oh, my God. Oh, and no. Raider comes from the backyard with a knife and a twenty-two caliber pistol and forces the boy back inside and confronts the entire family. So what, did the dog, like, attack him? No, he, like, he kind of, like, the dog's outside and then they close, he goes into oh. the house. Yeah. Because the boy had let the dog out, and then he immediately comes in. You know, he was, like, right by the door. I'm so, surprised the dog didn't smell him or, like, get him. I mean, like, my dogs wouldn't. I mean, actually, they wouldn't. No, they totally <laughs> would. Like, yeah, but so, it didn't. It didn't. So, in order to keep them at ease, this is so fucked up, he told them it was a robbery, and, and that if they would bait him, he wouldn't kill them, which was a lie. Yeah. Obviously. He's a piece of shit. So, they allowed themselves to be taken into, the parents allowed themselves to be taken into the bedroom and tied up. Uh, in a post-arrest interview, Raider says he wasn't wearing a mask, so they could have ID'd him, and that's when he decided he needed to strangle them. Which I don't believe them. Like, you went in there with that intention. Like, don't even with that. Like, you could have worn a mask. You could yeah. decide right then and there. So, F you. Dennis, I don't believe you. So Fucking Dennis. Yeah. Man. So he killed the Oteros by strangulation and suffocation using a length of rope and plastic bags. Um, this is really gross and horrible. Sometimes he would allow them to catch their breath and regain consciousness just so he could strangle them again. Um, were they all were, together? They were, no, no, I'll explain. Uh, none of them were sexually assaulted, but there was semen found at the scene, uh, which did end up becoming relevant a lot later. So at 3.30 p.m. that day, the three older Otero brothers came home. Oh, so there's more kids. There's five kids total, and only two oh. were home. Okay. So the other were, were at school. Uh-huh. Um, and the bodies were found by one of them, 15-year-old Charlie, which is just like, um, in his interview with Snap, so as an adult, he's in this yeah. show, he says he'd gone to school early that day and that probably saved his life uh, because he wasn't there when they were in the house. Like, wow. he should have been there. Um, and so he said he had gone through the back door, opened it, and saw his mom's purse. I think it just, something didn't look right. Like, wow. he knew something was wrong. And he ran down the hall to his parents' room and saw them laying there. Uh, he said he knew they were dead instantly and you could smell the blood and fear, which is just so sad and trauma he must feel. Um, he couldn't untie the knots, um, so he knew he needed to call the police, but Dennis had cut the phone line, so they went into the yard, and the other brother, Danny, they ran next door and called 911. Uh, the police came, and Charlie told them to go to the house to figure out what happened. Yeah. What about the kids, though? So, the parents were bound and gagged in the bedroom. They clearly put up a struggle. Uh, the police continued to search the house, and they found Joey in his room beside the bunk bed with ligature marks on his neck. They found Josephine in the basement, and she was hanging from a sewer pipe, and there was dried semen found on the floor. So it was, you know, she wasn't physically violated, but it was clearly, like, a sexual crime. Uh, so he, like, pleasured himself. Like, sick piece of shit, Dennis. Um, at the scene, the Wichita police were shocked at how gruesome it was, and that it was in the middle of the day and clearly pre-planned. He brought everything he needed to carry out the crimes, like, all this, you know, yeah. Whatever it was that he used to tie them up and stuff. Uh, there was no signs of forced entry and no signs of robbery except for Joseph Ortero's missing watch. Uh, Ray, Raider even left in their car, and the police later found the car a short distance away parked in a grocery store parking lot. They were able to get an idea from witnesses as to who drove the car. It was a male Caucasian, probably in their 30s, but 
it, you know, yeah, that does they, nothing. It does. They're always white. They always white. Yeah. There's literally science behind that. I will talk about later. <laughs> Not just saying that. <laughs> the circumstance around the crime didn't immediately scream serial killer, uh, but because they found the semen, they. I mean, there's four. I mean, it doesn't scream serial killer because there's a specific. There's a definition of serial killer, which we will talk about. Like uh, consecutive. Like, well, there's like a. a, a uh, cold, like cooling off period, they yeah. say, and then they come back. So this this would be more considered like a spree at, at this time because they just know he killed multiple people. But they know that it, there's something more to it because of this. this they know it's a but it's likely murder. that it's going to happen again. Wasn't they, it? They don't know that for sure. Um, the police chief Richard Lemunian said that press to the Le press Le the crimes were uh, perpetrated by a homicidal killer with a fetish. So they knew like yeah. this was a killer, but they they didn't know exactly what the situation was. Um, so from the witnesses of the driver, as well as the sexual nature of the crime, they looked into a list of six sexual offenders and tried to hone in on some people, but it just, they were not getting an answer. Um, so our next victim is Catherine Bright. Only three months. So this is a very short cold off period, and then he takes wow. much longer periods. You'll see he's like inconsistent with that, which is really weird. So Catherine... That's in a response times um, between mm-hmm. responses, mm-hmm. that cooling off period. Successful yeah. response to that behavior. Yeah. So, so Cat- it's varying. That makes sense. I wonder what the average would be. Oh, I can tell the well, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it at a different time. So, Catherine was 21 years old and a Wichita State University student. So, only three months after the Ontario killings, Raider struck again on April 4th, 1974, breaking into Catherine Bright's home when she wasn't there. It was just one girl that lives there? Yes. So, he waited for her return. When she came back with her younger brother, Kevin, they were greeted with a man with a gun. So he was not oh, expecting geez. Kevin to be there. Uh, they fought him, and Dennis shot Kevin in the head. He then took Catherine in the bedroom and started to tie her up. Initially, he started strangling her, but she put up a big fight, so he took a knife and stabbed her repeatedly in the abdomen. Kevin is not dead. Kevin, at the same time, was able to get up and run out of the house screaming for help. When the authorities arrived, the perpetrator was gone, and they found Catherine with multiple injuries but still alive. She was stabbed three times in the abdomen and had ligature marks around her throat from the strangulation. She was rushed uh, to the hospital, but unfortunately she died a few hours later from the injuries. Yeah. At the time, the police did not draw a connection between the terror murders and Catherine because they did not, you know, have similarities. Uh, I mean, they kind of do. There's no... It's not or the same victim profile, though. So I guess, yeah. yeah. And um, it's not the... I mean, there are... And there's stabbing instead of this just strangulation. Instead of just strangulation. Yes. But there is also strangulation. Yes. Yes. Interesting, but there's a gun, too. Yeah. But, but so, he had a gun last time. He didn't yes, use he it, didn't though. Use it. So, once again, like a fucking pompous weirdo that he is, he doesn't wear a mask. And so... Kevin, They're like... He's Kevin, like, uh, yeah. we'll do a sketch for you. Yeah, so Kevin's like, I'll give a description. And so he was like 5'10", uh, you know, white man, dark hair with a mustache. They made a composite sketch, but it didn't lead anywhere. Because they he looked like an average white man. Duh. Um, so there were a few similarities between the killings. The phone lines were cut, home invasion, oh. all had been strangled. Mm-hmm. But there were also major differences. He shot the brother. Right. Kathy was stabbed. Uh, you know, the police followed every lead, but they just, they couldn't figure it out. So everyone is freaked out because there's five unsolved murders within three months in Wichita. You know, yeah. Kansas, it's crazy. <laughs> How big is, like, is that a, I don't know. I don't think it's a particularly big city. 
I don't want to give false information about the statistics. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a nice town. People are getting murdered. It's terrible. So, but Raider loved the attention that his killings were getting. Yeah, of course. That's he, the function of his behavior. Yeah, desperately craved it. And when his crimes were not making newspapers headlines anymore, he would attempt to rekindle public interest by writing to the media. I was just going to say. Police. Yep. Mr. Dennis. Attention-seeking. Yep. Attention-seeking so his first attempt at communication happened on October, uh, in October 1974, nine months after he killed the Oteros. And I think that's six months after he killed Catherine. So Raider contacted the Wichita Eagle anonymously. He told them, this is so ridiculous. He told them to look inside of a, a specific engineering book at the local library where they One found... One of his fucking hidey hole yeah. bullshit. <laughs> oh where he found a letter whose author claimed to be responsible for the Otero murders, while also dismissing the other suspects as just losers, you know, like, <laughs> not the real deal. Like, well, the real some Literally. The letter contained details about the killings and the scene that were not released to the public, so the police knew that this was the real deal. Um, the police asked the newspaper not to publish it in order to prevent more false confessions, and the Eagle complied, but somehow they got to another uh, newspaper, the Wichita Sun. It's somehow leaked to them, and they got their hands on it and published it in December. So here are some, I'm going to read you the excerpt, and it's, he spells a lot of things wrong. It's very odd, because he's not stupid. It's, they think it might have been intentional. intentional. Yeah. So he says, I write this letter to you for the sake of the taxpayer as well as your time. Those three dudes you have in custody are just talking to get publicity for the Otero murders. They know nothing at all. I did it by myself and with no one's help. I'm sorry this happened to society. They are the ones who suffer the most. It's hard to control myself. When this monster enter my brain, I will never know. But it's here to stay. But how does one cure himself? If you ask for help that you have killed four people, they will laugh or hit the panic button and call the cops. I can't stop it so the monster goes on and hurt me as well as society. Society can be thankful that there are ways for people like me to relieve myself at times by daydreams of some victims being tortured and being mine. Maybe you can stop him. I can't. He has already chosen his next victim or victims. I don't know who they are yet. The next day after I read the paper, I will know, but it too late. Good luck hunting. Yours truly, guiltily. P.S. Since sex criminals do not change their M.O. or by nature cannot do so, I will not change mine. The code word for me will be bind them, torture them, kill them. E-T-K. You see, he added again, they will be on the next victim. What will be? So, first of all, the fact that he says, like, you guys should be happy and I can relieve myself of daydreams. Like, fuck you, dude. Yeah. Also, the fact that he named himself is literally so gross. And so cringe and so gross and just so so bizarre and weird. It's like also just like really dorky. It's so lame. Like it's, it's so like embarrassing. So it's like dude, lame. you're so like um, all those other people who are they saying mean, like, that like they're me, like they're not me, they're not and like me. actually like you should probably call me this. Yeah, actually, like, I would is, prefer my preferred name. I'm special, um, so you can give me a special <laughs> name. Uh, and like you should be thanking me actually, like because yeah. I'm like such a good friend to society. Yeah, so what's also weird is he, <laughs> he didn't mention Catherine, which was odd. Um, yeah, because it's just a family. Yeah, but that's why the police did not connect them at all, because mm. B2K, in 
Dennis. Dennis need to get a letter. Right, but did not mention him. But Dennis. Dennis. Dennis um, so Dennis coined his own, <laughs> Dennis coined his own serial killer name, which is like I the lamest shit I've I ever heard. With that. Like, could you be weirder, dude? Like, just be more creep. So, unfortunately, it stuck. Um, well, yeah, obviously, because yeah. I've, I've heard of that. I've heard of that. And apparently, <laughs> Catherine Ramsland says in Snapped, the woman, the professor who had interviewed with the doctor, that when he, he wanted to become a famous serial killer, he had quote a he wanted a really interesting sexy powerful name what yeah that's what he wanted and so he came up with that name and i'm just like dude your name is dennis and you're married to paula and you're living a normal life and but you're also like your mother's name is deborah no dorothea uh dorothea (laughs) whatever same shit like Um, you know yeah you know what i'm saying so raider stops for a few years 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 yes wasn't the other one weren't the other ones like Months? months between each other. Yeah, you'll see it's so bizarre. There's no consistency. Yet. He has a son with his wife, as I said before, in 1975. That was a year, a year after his first murders. So Dennis was excited to be a father, and his fantasy life kind of went on the back burner because he was really busy with his home life and his job. Uh, he was working at ADT Securities. He was fucking going inside people's homes and installing security systems. Oh, Jesus. Like, oh my you, god! That's like my worst. That is like the nightmare. worst. That's like the like Ugh, the person that you probably shouldn't hire, like for that job. Yeah, it's literally it's the one person that should probably not. It couldn't be a worse nightmare for me than yeah. a guy installing your security as a serial killer. So, but that's for real. That's not a movie. Yeah. Like that's fun. actually so that's fun. real. So great. Um, Good to know. So some criminologists think that this was why he was able to lay low for three years because he had this power going into these people's houses, and they think that kind of. Was able to satiate him and kind of satisfy Right, like him. he didn't have to, he was able oh, to get that yes. reinforcement yes. without going full going throttle and throttle. Yeah. He had access. Less response effort. Yeah, so he had a lot of access and didn't have to do the same thing. So, it's his replacement, I <laughs> So, alternative replacement behavior, Rita. Yeah, so Dennis had this extremely long cooling off period. Uh, and the cooling off period is what they say, what criminals call, you know, when they go dormant. Right. I would call that the inner response time, the IRT. Inner response time. Yeah. IRT. Yeah. We're learning here, people. Because it's the the time that elapses between successive responses. So, he did not strike again until March 17th, 1977. Damn. So, three years after his first killings. That's crazy. Yeah. He attacked Shirley, I don't know if it's Vianne or Vianne, uh, in her home. She was there with her three children, all under the age of eight. Uh, she also, you know, she was a very sweet lady. She sang in her church choir and everything. It's so sad. So Shirley was at home, and her children were outside on the sidewalk when they were approached by an individual who showed them a photograph and asked if they had seen his wife. He knew if they were kids, there was probably mom in the house. Uh, he asked her if their mom was home. They said yes, and they took him to the door. They're just like, hey, sweet little kids. It's so sad. Well, I hope they fucking... They're okay. Good. I think they got... Like, they're not in the... Yeah, little... Like they went back out to play in the front, hopefully. So Shirley came to the door, and then Dennis forced himself inside. Uh, he took control <laughs> of her physically, and the kids were crying, so he put them in the bathroom and threw them some toys uh, and tied the door shut. Okay. So in an interview decade later, I have a question. Yes. <clears throat> were all the children male? That's a really good question. I actually don't know. But the, but the I guess boy, he killed the boy in the first murder. 
He killed his son. Right. Because, but there was also because there was the, the girl, the 11 year old that he wanted to yes. masturbate to. Yes. While he tortured her. So, yeah. like the disgusting creep of he is. Yeah. So, I'm just wondering if, like, he was like, oh, there's no, you call it like S Delta. It's like, there's no, I can't get reinforcement from this. Mm. There's nothing that I can get out of this. So, like, I, I can't contact reinforcement mm. here. So, I'm going to look elsewhere. Well, so that's really interesting. In a later interview, he said that he wanted to kill them, but he like had to leave the scene. Hmm. So we just don't really know. Interesting. Um, but it's not like he was caught like he was with the other one. Right, right, right. He just didn't kill them. It's kind of weird. Um, so yeah, that's a good point. I don't really know. But so police found Shirley on the bed, face down with her hands and feet bound. I mean, and suffocated, but skin with a plastic bag over her head and strangled with a cord around her neck. Um, there was semen found like on her. So according to Snapped, um, this is so sad, her son was like looking through the door, like the, the, the hole in the door, no. um, watching his mom get murdered. So the children confirmed it was a white male and could have been similar description to the other murders, but it was not 100%. But they did suspect BTK because the crime scenes were very similar to the Otero. So right. it happened in broad daylight, it was premeditated, the method was the same, the film lines were cut, he used the same type of knot when he tied the cord. Oh, that's uh, which yeah. is an important detail that was kept out of the newspapers, so it's not like it was reported on. So it was right. a copycat, so they knew it had to have been him. So then, nine months later, we have another victim. That makes sense, given his the previous mm-hmm. where it was three months. So now he has a slightly longer energy. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yes. But it does seem like he goes dormant and then kills again and kills again. Yeah. Um, although, you know, this is nine months later, but it's not three years. So. Right. Uh, so nine months later, Nancy Fox. So um, the same, nine months later, the same year, he kills 25-year-old Nancy Fox. She was a career woman who worked at a jewelry store. Raider says, uh, you know, post-arrest, she was another one of the projects when I was trolling the area. I noticed her going into the house one night. I drive by once to check the mailbox to see what her name was, found out where she worked. The more I knew about a person, the more I felt comfortable with it. Yeah. So sick. Um, so to Raider, she was the perfect victim. She was petite, she lived alone. Well, thank God for that, actually, because I don't want any more kids. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she was found on December 8th in her home, bound and strangled. She was not physically violated, but once again, there was semen found on the negligee next to her bed. Or next to her head, I'm sorry. Um, this time, though, BTK did something different. He, Dennis. Fuck. Dennis. Dennis did something different. He called his own murdered police. <laughs> the day after the murder, the police department got a call saying, you will find a homicide at 843 South Purging Street, Nancy Fox. Purging, which is the street I used to live on that gave me the willies, but anyways. So they were able look to... Look at me, look at me, look at me. <laughs> look at me. So they were able to trace the phone, uh, the payphone and secure a witness that saw, once again, a white male in his 30s. Not helpful. Like, not. Thanks. Always. Thanks for nothing. Thanks, thanks. So the police figured that Dennis wanted to make sure he got the credit for it. He was obviously obsessed with being recognized as the quote-unquote BTK right. killer. Attention. Attention. So a few months later, Dennis wrote more Tell letters. Tell me I'm pretty. Dennis wrote more letters to the media. So he's just writing them. He's yeah. just like, I want yeah. all the attention. I want all the attention. Tell me I'm pretty. Yeah, literally though. So he sends a letter to the Wichita Eagle Beacon on February 10th, 1978. It contained a poem he titled, Oh, Death to Nancy, and states that he murdered Ew. seven people, not six, taking credit for Catherine, but not naming her. Mm-hmm. 
He also, Sarah, oh my god, you're gonna die. He also talks about quote unquote factor X, which drove him to kill. Uh, it was his. That's the lamest shit I've ever heard. Yeah, literally. Fucking Factor X, which drove him to kill. It was oh, his. It's the Factor X. Yeah, it was the Factor X. The Factor X made me do it. It was not his fault. It was Factor X. It was his dark side and something he had no <laughs> control over. So, in a post arrest interview, he says, I personally think it's a. Oh, this is in quotes. I personally think it's a. And I know it's not very Christian of me, but actually think it's a demon that's with me. <laughs> At some point in time, it entered me when I was young, and it basically controlled me. And they, and the, did people take him seriously? I mean, come on. A, a lot of serial killers have said that as an excuse before in criminal. I just think it's like, oh, so, um, it's like, so it's like a white man yeah. thing to so say. So he uses the term factor X to describe this demon, and criminologists say it's a way for him to kind of elude what he's done and distance himself from it. Um, another says... They think it's, you know, another criminologist says they think Factor X is like a drug for Dennis, and Dennis is a drug addict, and he, like, needs that fix. Um, and when the urge comes, there's no demoralization. He just loves talking about himself, and he and he loves hearing his own bullshit. Yeah, and he so, loves it. And he, he wants everyone else wants to, to, like, lick it up. Yeah, he wants everyone else to lap it up just the same way. And yeah. so he's, like, making up these stupid terms that some people are like, oh, that's, like, oh, so interesting. Oh, interesting. Let's talk about, let's talk about yeah. Factor X. So in this fucking letter, he says. So let's talk about factor X. So, let's talk. so in this, in these messages, he says, "How many do I have to kill before I get my name in the paper or some national attention?" Like my dude is desperado for attention. Seriously. Like my he dude said, needs, needs to it. relax. <laughs> like dude. He's coming out so, really strong. Like really. Yeah. Too strong. A lot. A lot. Still, it's just, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. We could say so. After these messages, the police knew Arlo was moving. I have two dogs, and they're just yeah. reading. He doesn't like it. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> He's offended by Dennis's yes. messages. I understand Arlo. Is, is he going to drink water? He's just going to drink water, and you're going to hear that, guys. Or I'm going to be able to edit it out. We will see. <laughs> or you'll be like, what is she talking about? <laughs> or Can you get back to the story? Thanks. Yeah, okay. I will get back to the story now. So <laughs> after these messages, the police knew Wichita had a you know, full throttle serial killer. Yeah. Um, and they knew he would kill again. And the police held a press conference and alerted the community that there was a killer among them and everyone was like losing their minds. <laughs> There's a killer among us. Among us. Oh my God, we're screaming and we're going to ruin the audio. We, yeah, we can't do that. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, I'm a screamer. Yeah, same. So in June 1978, six months after Nancy Fox was killed, Dennis Rader had his... So we have three years, nine months... And then six months? But this is his having his daughter. It's not another Oh, daughter. okay. So Wow, that's weird though. Right? So only six months after he murdered a la- a woman. He murdered a, human a woman, woman. A yeah. human being. Yeah. He murdered her and then he procreates with his wife and has a daughter. And he names her Carrie. Um, so during this time, the police, you know, they think he went dormant because he was occupied with his family life. Like that's what criminologists think. Or not criminologists, sorry. Criminologists think that the reason he's inactive... After this is because of the birth of his daughter. So I don't know. I feel like if he needed it and wanted it, he'd make time for it. He'd find a way. But but they're saying he like didn't because he was kind of busy with his life and like didn't need, need it. I guess. No, I think he still. Well, they say he was able to sustain himself with autoerotic fantasies of the trophies he had kept from his previous killings, and that that satisfied him. You know how uh-huh. with all those weird photos and shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess they're saying it's his previous... Yes. I wonder 
Yeah. I mean, he did take off three years before. So. Yeah. That's what's so weird about him, and that's why they couldn't find him for so long, because they literally could not figure him out. He's kind of an enigma. Like, he's very odd. So the police assembled a task force. Unremarkable. I don't think he's... He's unremarkable. I agree with that. But he's his behavior is not... His behavior is interesting. Yes. Because it's... it's, it's not necessarily the norm. Exactly. That's but he I mean. is an unremarkable human. Yeah, he's a loser. We <laughs> can be very clear about yeah. that. Um, so, <laughs> the police assembled a task force that compiled a list of hundreds of suspects, and they slowly whittled them down to literally none. So after two years with no success, the task force was disbanded and with no leads, the case went cold. So, Wait, so they do a task force they, for... Two years, they two couldn't years. find anything. Does he not kill again in yeah, those so two years? Okay. He doesn't kill for so, many be- uh, began to believe that Dennis, but they don't know if it's Dennis, so right. that BTK, right. was gone from Wichita, um, whether he was dead, disabled, in prison for something else, um, because he was a compulsive, you know, killer. They could tell right. from his crimes that he was a psychopath, that he would never willingly stop, because yeah. they didn't think so. Right. Um, but this was clearly not true. Uh, they had also, pro- they had profiled him incorrectly, so back then, the police... Uh, believe that he was still act- if, that if he was still active, he must not be married, and probably only had superficial relationships with women. So essentially, using kind of other well-known serial killers to profile him. Mm. But Raider was there, blending into the community and serving as a Cub Scout leader, a compliance officer, and even a council member of the Christ Lutheran Church. TK goes dormant for eight. Years. Damn, that's long. It's much longer than three. And that is where we are going to leave it. Part one. Dun dun dun. So next week, next week, the next time we post, but part two, we are going to discuss his final crimes, his eventual capture, which will make you majorly LOLs. Okay, I'm like, excited. It's, 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 I am so excited. Like, also because like. Uh, this earlier shit has already made me lol just yeah because like, he's ridiculous right? yeah like, it's so lame so it's like, like so the way lame. he gets caught sarah is the most it's so boomer i can't you're gonna die you're gonna die it's amazing so he's just <laughs> such a loser he he gets himself caught it's amazing and that's what's uplifting about this murder is he mm. essentially gets himself caught he's so, so lame and it's very uplifting so attention seeking that it's he, very uplifting how he gets caught yeah. so you're gonna you guys are gonna like that i need so that i need that we will oh and also i do want to talk about some psychological uh kind of articles i read about him and i wanted to talk about the kind of the definitions of serial killers and their mo's and and then talk about it in reference to him cool. based off of this journal i read from uh-huh. like harvard or oxford whatever a legitimate scientific journal Um, so that's what will be in episode two so we hope you guys liked it and were able to tolerate us yeah and i hope you like us like us us. okay we'll be back soon